0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. My name is Kevin Wilsey. I'm the Discipleship and Operations Minister here at Norris Ferry. If you uh, have a child, first through third, who worshiped with us this morning, uh, they can go ahead and be dismissed to their, their class. Um, Also, just want to say welcome to everyone in the the annex. Glad you're here. Um, I'm going to open in prayer because I need it. And uh, please, as I pray for you, please pray for me. uh, And then we'll we'll jump right in. Okay? Father, I I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity um, to show the truth that you've revealed to me um, and share it with uh, everyone here this morning. Father, I pray that your truth... Um, would just be, be made known to us if we do not know it. And I pray, Lord, that we can abide in your truth, that we can trust it, that we can run to it um, to test everything that we hear, that we see, that we learn. Father, I thank you for providing us with your word so we can get to know you. I thank you for your son. Who has made that possible dying on the cross for us so that we can have a relationship with the father and it's in your son's precious name that i pray in jesus name amen how do you know if you are believing false teaching how do you know if what you are reading hearing or saying is false doctrine How do we as Christians discern the presence of false teachers? And how do you not be deceived by false teachers in the world today? These are all questions that John answers in this passage. It's a long passage. It's a good passage. It's sometimes a confusing passage. But he answers all these questions. And some of you may be thinking um, that you would not succumb to false doctrine, that you would not believe false truth. You would not believe a lie. You would not be deceived by false teachers. And I pray, I pray that is true. But in this passage, we see that there are false teachers even among the Christian community. There are people who question the person of Christ and and they are within the Christian community. And in, in today's culture, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Um, and we need to be very careful in what we believe. In today's culture, it seems that, that almost anything can pass for Christian truth, right? So culture says that, that heresy is a word only bigoted and narrow-minded people use. That there is no false teaching. There is no... Um, false doctrine. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Whatever you believe is okay. You believe what you believe. I'm going to believe what I believe. And that's okay. That's what our culture says. And that is a lie that is just not true. And John, he's sharing with us. He's going to show us that the word of God is truth, that the spirit of God is truth. People every single day are, are leaving the Christian community. They're, they're converting to other religions or they're just coming out and saying they're agnostic or atheist. Uh, in a study from the Pew Research Center, they, they, they quoted, In the United States, Christians will decline from more than three-quarters of the population to two-thirds within the next 40 years. People in Christian community, people in the fellowship of believers are leaving and going to other things because they're believing lies. And John, so far in first John, first John one and first John two, he's encouraging and exhorting believers in their faith by focusing on certain tests of Christian, of genuine Christian living. Right. So the the first test we saw was the moral test, the test to obey. And then the second test we saw was the social test, the test to love. And now here at the end of chapter two, John, he's adding another test. It's the doctrinal test, the test of right believing. Believing the truth. John here, he contrasts what is false with the truth, and he shows us what protects us from false doctrines. So today we're going to see that the Spirit of God and the Word of God protects us from the Antichrist. Yeah, the Antichrist, gotcha, right? The, t- today we're going to see that the Word of God and the Spirit of God protect us from the Antichrist. What in the world is John talking about? So before we get started, let's let's well, let me define a couple terms for you. We're going to look at um, verse 18 first. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. This can get very confusing very quickly, so I'm going to define Antichrist, many Antichrists, and the last hour, um, and what John means here. So John, he's referencing the, the Antichrist, and the Antichrist is the, the final world ruler, right? In the, in the end times, he's going to arise, and according to the book, Um, Revelations in 12 and and 13, he's going to arise with such power that many people are going to leave and follow him. Many people are going to follow and trust what he says to be true. He's basically Satan incarnate. He's basically Satan in the flesh. And no one knows when this is going to happen, but we know that it's going to be in the end days, in the days of the return of Christ. So the Antichrist is, will come in the last hours. But John is saying here um, that many Antichrists have already came. So he's writing to the Christian community here saying that there are many Antichrists. And I would say that that is the same for us today. There are many Antichrists in the world today. And these many Antichrists, they, they come in the last hour. So first. The many antichrists—they're false. They're false teachers. Um, The—if you think of the, um, sorry—the the prefix to Christ, antichrist—they're preaching something other than the doctrine of Christ. They're going against Christ. They're preaching something instead of Christ. And when you read the last hour, don't think about just time how we think about it. Don't think of it. Oh, John, was he talking about? the last just hour of that time. Obviously, he's, he's talking about a period of time. He's not talking about one really long hour, like this sermon may feel like, right? No, he's talking about a period of time. So Christ came to the earth, lived his life, died, was resurrected. Now the time between Christ and his second coming is the hour that John is talking about, is the period of time that John is talking about. And he says, within this hour, there are many teachers who are teaching a lie and they're trying to deceive you. They're false teachers and they're, they're trying to, t- um, they're coming Talking and claiming that to be true teachers, um, to be true Christians. And because they've reached this certain understanding, uh, they have this better knowledge, they've they've experienced this better experience, and they understand um, and know how to have a relationship with God, which is not true. And they're trying to deceive, um, deceive true believers on what a Christian is and who Jesus is. But John, he he doesn't fall for it here. He doesn't want the Christian community to fall for it either. So he gives us two indications of false teachers. He shows they leave the fellowship and they lie. They believe a lie. Look at verse 19 with me. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, They would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So Satan's attacking the church. He's being extremely smart. He's trying to deceive believers. He's coming like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And in chapter 4, John, he talks about the spirit of the Antichrist that is at work in the world today. So these false teachers, they have the spirit of the Antichrist. They have the spirit of teaching and truth that goes against God. It's a lie. These false teachers are Satan's counterfeits. They're coming into Christian community, trying to look like one of us, and then they're deceiving people to leave with them, to believe a lie. That's a perfect plan by Satan. How else would would Satan try to deceive Christians? He's going to trick them. He's going to place people within Christian community to try to pull you away from Christian fellowship from believing the truth. See, he masks himself as being good, and he wants to harm the Christian community. He's prowling around just looking for people to devour. So we see for a little while that these, these false teachers, they, were, they said that they were one of them. They were a part of this community. They hung out in the Christian community. And I, my thought is, they could be sitting in this room today. But something happened to where the false teachers eventually left the Christian community. They went out from us. Maybe they had a disagreement with the leaders about uh, their, their theology, what they believed. Um, obviously, there was, there was something clashing there. And moving into the next sentence, they all, John says, they all are not of us. So a clear mark of a false teacher is they depart from the fellowship. If they would have been believers, they would have stayed and continued in the fellowship with the church. But they did not. Therefore, it's clear that they're not part of the Christian community. So today, we have different churches that believe that Jesus is Christ. So John's not just talking about the church, leaving one church and going to another church. But he's talking about the Christian fellowship of believers. He says these false teachers actually left... um, left the fellowship of believers, the fellowship with believers, all together, completely. And we saw in chapter 1 that fellowship is walking in the light, and the light points us to the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. But these, these false teachers, they eventually show us that they're walking in darkness, and the blood of Jesus is not evident in their life. Behind this departure, we see that God has a divine purpose. He's showing us who these false teachers are so that believers, they, they won't be deceived. They won't be led astray. As John says, those who belong to us, stay with us. In the book, Stopping Asking, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart, as many of the members here have read, J.D. Greer he, he states, once we are saved, we will always be saved. And that those who are saved will persevere in their faith till the end. It is true that once saved, always saved. But it is also true that once saved, forever following. Christians must persevere till the end. He who stands firm till the end will be saved. The reaction of Christ's love to us and for us is the obedience For the rest of our lives. So the Antichrist, these false teachers, they don't follow Jesus Christ. And he moves into, look at verse 22 with me. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. The false teachers here are denying that Jesus is the anointed one. They're denying that Jesus is God in human flesh, whose purpose is to provide salvation through his son on the cross. They deny Jesus. They're denying Jesus, and they're actually denying the father also. They're denying who he is as a person. And we see this all the time today. I'm reminded of many conversations I've had. Uh, I think of one specifically with a Muslim friend of mine. And just talking about religion, talking about the gospel, he looks at me and he goes, we all worship the same God. We just disagree on who Jesus is. That is not true. That is a lie. If you deny the deity of Christ... Then we don't worship the same God. John says if you deny that Christ is the Son of God, if you deny his divinity, then you are the Antichrist. That is strong. He says you are a liar. You can't believe in God and not believe in Jesus Christ. These are what these false teachers are trying to tell this Christian community here. God's word does not allow us to do this. In scripture, we see that, that Jesus is human and divine. John 1, 14, and the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth and the life. The only way to the father is through me. No one comes to the father except through me. There is only one way to the father, one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. So let me say it this way. You can't be in a relationship with God if you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You can't be in a relationship with God if you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You must know God to have a relationship with him. And the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. John 5, 37 Through 38, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. He's talking of false teachers here. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, or non believers. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. The false teachers believed a lie that there is another way to the Father, there is another experience, another knowledge not found in God's word. Not found in Jesus Christ. And they believe that this way is going to lead them into a relationship with God. That they were in right standing with God. And they look to deceive those in the church to believe this as well. And that is why John is writing this letter, verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. They're trying to tell you that the lie they are believing is true. So we're in the last hours, and false teachers are around us. And they have the spirit of the Antichrist, and they're trying to pull you away from this fellowship, from the fellowship of believers that point you to Jesus Christ and to God's word. I have one point For the sermon, one point and we're done. It's kind of a long point, but it's one point. So hopefully that encourages you. The Spirit of God and the Word of God protect us from the Antichrist. The Spirit of God plus the Word of God protect us from the Antichrist. Verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. So true believers have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. This word anointing is a a metaphor from the Old Testament. Kings and prophets, they were anointed for uh, their ministries by pouring olive oil on their head. And this set them apart to continue on in their service, to continue on in their work. And this word um, that John uses, charisma, it's translated anointing and is only used here actually in 1 John. John, he's describing that the Holy Spirit's anointing is given to Christians in order for them to persevere in their calling. To help them understand what is truth. Acts 10.38 shares that, that Jesus, he was anointed with the Spirit. And then Jesus also promised the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to come upon the disciples. And this anointing, it's a a gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells all believers as we see throughout scriptures in in Romans 8, in Ephesians uh, 1, 1 John 4, in Acts 2. We see the Spirit come upon believers when they believe that Jesus is Christ. And that is big news. You have received all the Spirit if you believe. You have received all the Spirit, not part of the Spirit, all of the Spirit. Do you rely on the Spirit when you go into a conversation to talk to your friend about Christ? Do you, do you rely on the Spirit on a daily basis? You have all of the Spirit. The question which I'm going to ask at the end is, what is hindering you from from, from realizing that, whole, that you have all the Holy Spirit? What hinders you from allowing yourself to, to be given to all? All of the Holy Spirit. My question at the end is clearer. Sorry if that was confusing. Verse 27 The anointing you receive from him abides in you. At the moment of your conversion, the Holy Spirit comes to live in every believer. So true Christians have received the Holy Spirit. And at the moment of your conversion, you not only receive the Holy Spirit, but you receive the Word of God. Verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. As we saw Tracy mentioned even in in, uh, his first sermon on 1 John, what we heard from the beginning is the word. It's the gospel, the gospel word to, of eternal life. It's a being, it's life. And this is why John in first John, he, he says uh, the word was both with God and was God. The word it eternally existed with God and himself is of the same essence. So the gospel message has been passed through the word. The apostles, they saw, they saw Christ. They saw the word. And they knew that it was true. They knew that it was truth. They saw, they touched, they heard, and it's been passed down to us. And now it is sitting in your laps today. It is in my hand today. And we have the word of God with us. At the moment of conversion, you receive that. The spirit, he reveals to us the gospel, which is the message of how one can share in and and participate and fellowship with the eternal God. And because of that, we receive the promise that is promised to us, which is eternal life. See, the, the Antichrist, they don't have the spirit of God. The Antichrist, they have the spirit of the Antichrist. They go against God, against God's word. They don't have this truth. So as a Christian, as as one who confesses and believes the Son is Jesus Christ, who is God with us, who came in the flesh and lived a perfect life, taking on the wrath of God in his death on the cross, rising from the grave, defeating death, and is now our advocate at the right hand of God. He's waiting to come back for his people so we could have life and have it eternally. As a Christian, we know the truth and the truth is going to protect us, protect believers from antichrist of the world. In verse 20, he finishes, you all have knowledge. You have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. Some translations even say you have all knowledge, which actually makes sense if you read the end of verse 27. You have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it, the Holy Spirit, has taught you. See, John, he's not saying that the Holy Spirit's going to teach you everything you need to know about anything. He's not saying that he's going to teach you everything you need to know about math. I hated math. I wish the Holy Spirit taught me everything I need to know about math. If you've ever played Tracy in ping pong, I wish the Holy Spirit would teach me how to beat Tracy in ping pong. No, and he's he's not saying that there's any extra truth that needs to be taught. There's no new truth that needs to be added to God's word, to the scriptures. But there's only one truth and the spirit of God that indwells you, helps you to see the truth and to see what is a lie. One of the most important roles of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate and reveal that truth uh, to us, to help us understand it and comprehend it. Revealed truth being completed in scriptures, being completed in the person of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit illuminates scripture to help us understand it and to help us discern the will of God. Look at verse 21 with me. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. He is sharing to the Christian community that they have been anointed and they already know the truth. Know here is a a perfect tense. And what that means, he's showing us that we've received the truth at conversion, at Understanding what Christ has done for us. But it's an ongoing possession of this knowledge. See, the the truth, it doesn't change and nothing can be added to it. The Spirit continues to teach us, but only truth that is found and tested in the Word of God. This is truth. The Spirit does not do anything apart or against God's Word. And because no lie is of the truth. So John, he shares not only, uh, they not only know the truth, but they know the character of truth. David Allen, in his commentary for 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he says, The statement John makes, no lies of the truth, implies two things. First, nothing untrue comes from true Christian doctrine or teaching. No lie comes from true Christian doctrine or teaching. And then second, since God is the author of Christian truth, and since God is truth and cannot lie, no lie comes from God. Both the content of the truth and the character of God of truth appear to be in view here. Jesus said concerning God's word, your word is truth. John 17, 17. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Memorize it. Your word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. Notice, Jesus didn't say your word is true. It certainly is, but Jesus says your word is truth. So God's truth, God's scripture is what makes everything else true. We must test what we're we're taught doctrinally and what we hear to God's word. And if it doesn't measure to God's word, then it's a lie. You see, God's word is the standard of measure. You know something is true by measuring it to the truth. So what you hear from from teachers up on this stage, what you hear from your community group leader, what you hear from other people in Shreveport who are telling you about Jesus has to be tested with God's truth. Do you know God's truth? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in Righteousness. John eight thirty one through 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. First John 4, 2, 6, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 1 John 5, 6, and the Spirit is the one who testifies, but the Spirit is the truth. So what do we see? God is truth, Jesus is truth, and the Spirit is truth. David Schrock, um, he he has a Ph.D. from uh, Southern, and he writes for the Gospel Coalition. I was reading an article this week, and he says, True truth is triune truth. It's hard to say. True truth is triune truth. It's decreed by God the Father, personified in God the Son, and affected by God the Spirit. Contrary to popular belief, contrary to the world, truth isn't based on personal feeling, self-understanding, or a contemporary situation. It's based on God's revelation centered in the gospel and revealed by the transforming work of Of the Spirit. God's Word is divinely inspired, and that is what makes it valuable for teaching doctrine. The Spirit uses the Word of God to teach truth and refute errors from false teachers. You see, both God's word and the spirit are a necessity, are necessary for continuance in the truth, for us to continue to walk as Christians. And with just God's word and neglect of the spirit, you can't interpret the truth with just the spirit and neglect of God's word. You can't interpret the truth. So the only thing that protects us from lies of the Antichrist is having to have remaining within us both the word and the spirit. The word that we heard from the beginning and the anointing that we've received from him, from Christ. And this is how we will remain in the truth. And this is why we're promised eternal life john he ends this passage with an exhortation the end of verse 27 he says abide in christ christian to continue to abide in christ to continue to abide in the spirit of god we are to obey the spirit we are to obey god's word to know the truth and to rest in the truth is to abide in god's word to abide in this truth to know it and the spirit teach us more and more about god about his character about how we are to live see false teachers they're they're counteracted by the true teacher and in order to avoid being deceived we need to pers- persevere in our relationship with christ In order to avoid being deceived, we must persevere in our relationship with Christ and with the Spirit. So living out and obeying God's truth. Now there's a problem. And however, that problem is for some of us, the Holy Spirit and God's word does not have all of us. We do not obey the word of God and we do not obey the spirit. So let me ask you, are you yielded to the spirit? Do you trust the spirit daily? Do you grieve the spirit? Do you go to God's word for the truth? To spend time with God, to talk with God? Do you pray? Do you go to God's word? What does your day, what do your days look like? Do you live in disobedience to the Spirit and to God's Word? What in your life distracts you from the Spirit and from God's Word? Whatever hinders you, let me say that. If something is of higher precedence, precedence than the Spirit of God and the Word of God, if something is sitting on the throne in your heart that is not Christ, Then it's sin. It's an idol. Where are you running to in in times of need, in your struggles? Do you go to the truth? Where do you go? Is there sin in your life that hinders you from walking in obedience with the Spirit and God's Word? If you, if so, and you know it, you can think of it. You need to repent of it. You need to ask God's forgiveness for that sin and turn in obedience. I'm reminded of of Greer's book. Um, He says, what is your posture like? When there's sin in your life, what is your posture like? Is your posture just to, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on sinning, you know, I can't defeat that. Or is it turning and facing Christ, understanding what he has done for you on the cross and saying, Lord, fight this for me. Wait, you already have. Lord, you've defeated this sin. Help me walk in obedience so I don't have to sin again. So I don't have to go back to that sin. I know we're not perfect. We're going to continue to sin. But what is your posture like? Where do you go? Do you run back to that sin? Or do you turn and go towards the face of God? Go to God's truth and walk in fellowship with him. Abide in him. Go to other Christians. Go to the fellowship of believers and have them point you back to God's truth. Point you back to Christ. Where do you go? Christian, to, I want to challenge you to, to stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to God's word. Stay grounded in the truth that is Christ. You see, we must study God's word. We must memorize God's word. What, did I, what, did, what was the verse that I said uh, to memorize? What does it say? Loud. Loud. Your word is truth, your word is truth. John 17:17, 17, 17, your word is truth. Do you believe it? The presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, coupled with the knowledge of the word of God, is a sufficient guide for us into truth. So I challenge you today to know God's voice. Are you a sheep? Do you know his voice? Do you know the shepherd's voice? He won't let you go. He loves you. He won't let you go. I challenge you to have fellowship with him, with this church, with Norris Ferry. And I challenge you to abide in Jesus Christ by running not to extra biblical doctrine, teachings, but to the gospel that teaches us that Jesus was sent by God. Run to God's word and watch, just watch how the spirit teaches you. And how do you know that you know Because the Spirit of God affirms the truth that is already within you as a believer. So abide in him and he will protect us from deception. And for those of you who maybe walked in here today saying, I want to leave the Christian community. This might be my last Sunday with believers. For those who have questions about the person of Jesus who are doubting who Jesus truly is. I want to ask you to go to God's word, knowing that it is truth. And if you need help with that, come talk to me. Come talk to the pastors here. We would love to help you with that. Talk to your community group leader. Talk to the believers here at Norris Ferry. Pray that you abide in Christ, that you trust that it is truth. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the word of God will abide in us and that we will abide in the spirit. That we will turn to love your word deeply, that we will memorize it, that we will run to it as truth. Father, I pray that we will worship with truth and with spirit. That all of our lives can reflect the work that you're doing within us. That we'll desire and have a passion to run to your word, to know you more. Spirit, I pray you continue just to teach us. Father, I pray that we can guard ourselves. Guard ourselves against deception, against false doctrine, against false teachers, against the Antichrist. That we can guard ourselves with your word, that we won't be deceived. Father, I pray that those who do not know you here today, that they'll open your word. That they'll open your word to find truth. And that truth is that your son, Jesus, he came and he died for us. He loved us so much that you sacrificed him upon the cross for us so we can have eternal life. Let that love cause us to walk in obedience, to walk in fellowship, to love you and love others. It's in your son's precious name that I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.